for the week of January 3rd, 2022. This is the Book of Boba Fett TV Talk from Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Book of Boba Fett Disney Plus episode. Today, we are reviewing the first chapter of the highly anticipated book of Boba Fett. But before we dive into that, Dave, will you introduce our guest for today's episode? Yes, absolutely. Today, we have a special guest with us, Belle from TV Talk. How are you doing, Belle? Doing great. How are you guys doing? It's uh, It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. We Two years in a row, Belle, that we have missed the holiday special... <laughs> Uh, review. I mean, it just that episode was so fun, and it seems like every time I watch it, I want to gouge my eyes out. But at the same time, it just makes you feel like Life Day. It does. You know, it's 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 the it's the season of Life Day. It's uh, what brings us all together here today. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Life Day and newfound life, let's go ahead and dive into this episode in this episode we see in a series of flashbacks how the famous bounty hunter escaped the sarlacc pit and and the challenges he begins to face as he takes the throne formerly belonging to jabba the hut now before we get into that i do have a question that i encountered on social media this week and i wondered what you thought so bell i'll go ahead and start with you um, but when you were growing up and you were first introduced to Boba Fett, did you view him as a man of honor or some merciless bounty hunter? Well, I think the line, no disintegrations, kind of uh, <laughs> sealed uh, like who Boba Fett was for me. Um, he uh, was a guy that would you know, just disintegrate people. That doesn't seem like a very honorable move. Um, and, you know... Uh, the you know ruthlessness that he was about you know he he was more concerned with uh uh you know capturing han solo and you know although although ironically he didn't want him dead just because the price on his head was 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 more when he was alive but but yeah the the, the first the first scene that we see him with with vader saying no disintegrations i think sort of like set up who he is as a character and um I don't know if if honorable is the word that I would uh, <laughs> that I would choose there <laughs> from that first impression. <laughs> right. And Dave, what about you? What was your takeaway from that question? Practically the same as as Bell's. I mean, you can't be facing down the Lord of the Sith and he's just pointing right at you going, no disintegrations. You know, this guy's done it before. He's wanted somebody alive and he's brought back a pile of ash. I mean, <laughs> That Bell's right. That is exactly it seals who he is right there in that moment. He's a merciless bounty hunter who is just out for the paycheck. And as long as he'll get yeah. paid, he'll bring you back either way. That's now that's I'm very, what I was. Yeah. And I'm very interested to see where this series goes to see if we see any other type of flashbacks going on, because it seems like every time Boba Fett is in his little, you know, healing chamber. Um, he has these dreams and kind of this episode tells two stories at the same time through kind of these interrupted flashbacks in the form of dreams. Um, and so we'll go ahead and tackle it by first discussing those dreams that Boba Fett has. So the two scenes where he kind of has those flashbacks in order to keep some sort of organization to this episode. And then we'll jump into the modern events that this episode gets into. 
But the biggest thing that this episode did for me is it showed how Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc pit. And when we heard that they were doing this, like everyone basically knew. I mean, spoilers if you haven't seen Spider-Man, but everyone knew what that reveal was going to be too. And But it's still fun when you see it on screen and it kind of is uh, really an interesting um, portion to this character because you see him fall in there and you obviously have the dialogue from C-3PO where it's going to take you know so long for him to digest through there and he escapes. And what did you think about this triumphant escape from the Sarlacc pit, Dave, I'll throw it to you first. It's almost exactly what I imagined it to be. I don't, I don't know what about about you guys, but I always figured, you know, he was cutting his way out of that gut somehow. Uh, was when I first saw him show up in the Mandalorian. Uh, he obviously cut his way out. I, th- I thought maybe the scars that were on his face were from being digested in the stomach acid, but when they used a the flamethrower to burn his way out. Well, there's the burn marks. He obviously caught himself on fire a little bit. I mean, you're wearing that metal armor. You got to expect something. But uh, yeah, there were some things I didn't expect either. To see the stormtrooper that went down in there first uh, before Boba got eaten by the Sarlacc and uh, him using the oxygen tank or however the little rebreather there to get himself up. That was uh, All those little details were great and uh, added to the scene for me. Like, like I said, it's almost exactly how I imagined it. The, the the big thing for me that I, I could not stop thinking about was Patton Oswald's uh like filibuster type thing that he tried to do on Parks and Rec. <laughs> Where, <laughs> you know, we see the crawl and then we see Boba Fett's gloved Mandalorian hand, and you see that, right? The hand comes out of the sand. And I was like, Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. And uh I, I also um was thinking about the the rebreather thing, like you mentioned, Dave. Um and the the bit from uh, Force Awakens when they say that the stormtrooper helmets don't filter out toxins, and so I'm wondering if there's something in the Sarlacc gut that is hazardous to breathe or something like that. And uh, you know, these the, the, you know, this is it's a massive world and a massive universe. And we have lots of films and tie-ins and things like that. But um, yeah, it was it was I, I I didn't think that they were going to show the inside of the Sarlacc. That was one thing that I wasn't quite sure if they were going to do. Like I I kind of pictured it in my head like that Patton Oswalt thing, right? Where he's just you know <laughs> we just see a hand pull out and you know they they leave that up to the to the imagination of the fans to kind of like figure out exactly how he got out but no they 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 showed it it's like you know you cut it and use a flamethrower and uh i i thought that was pretty cool um i i didn't know for sure if they were going to do that um uh, but no they they were like yep this is what you this is what a lot of the fans wanted to see and so here you go here it is and uh i thought i thought that was pretty cool i mean i i could have i could have done with just a glove crawling out something like that but um yeah, I, I think it was it was it was kind of neat to just to see the insides of a Sarlacc. <laughs> <laughs> right, and for me, like I wanted to see the escape. Like I wanted to see him kind of like you know maneuvering around in there, whether that's swimming in the bile or acid, whatever that's going to be in that Sarlacc pit. But you know, of course, this is um, by Favreau and company. Uh, knowing him, he probably isn't going to shy away from showing us those little Easter eggs, just like he's done throughout, uh, you know, those first two seasons of the Mandalorian. Now we always knew, especially from legends lore. And then some of that became Canon and aftermath that the Jawas came into, um, possession of 
his armor. And then we learn in season two of Mandalorian that that's where the marshal gets the armor. He buys it off the Jawas, but we never saw the reaction or heard much about it until we see it here. And the Jawas, they just ripped the armor right off this, you know, almost lifeless corpse and just kind of, you know, shock him a little bit when he wakes up. But bell, we had a detailed discussion about Jawas in season one of the Mandalorian when they were just eating that crazy egg. Now, does this add to the character of the Jawas for you? I had almost forgotten about the egg. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you know, they're, it's, it's, it's weird, right? Like when you deal with, with other uh, species and stuff like that in, uh, in science fiction, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how the other characters sort of react to them. And it seems to be like a universal kind of like, you know, like uh, 3PO in, in Moss Eisley was like, oh, Jawas, disgusting creatures and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we kind of see that in in, uh, in Mandalorian as well and in other parts of, uh, of of the, you know, expanded universe and whatnot. And it's and it's it was interesting to see a lot in the Mandalorian about Jawas. But I think this sort of took it from, OK, Jawas are just weird. They're not necessarily like, you know. Uh, vindictive little evil things, but uh, to see what they did to to Boba Fett, you know this this guy who's like clearly needs help. He's like you know he's about to die. Uh, for them to just be like no 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 just take his stuff. <laughs> it, maybe C three PO is right. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they are disgusting little creatures. <laughs> you know we got the egg. Uh, we got them uh, <laughs> stealing Boba Fett's armor when he's nearly dead and not offering any assistance there. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of neat to sort of see that. Um, We've seen a lot more with Jawas, and now we get some some interesting. Uh, they are they are indeed the scavengers that that they were made out to be, um, you know, and they like eggs. So, <laughs> well, and in the Mandalorian, we have you know before we see them do weird stuff with the egg, we have the Mandalorian kind of disintegrating them with his little rifle, and we're just like, oh, whoa, <laughs> poor Jawas, and then they crack open the egg, and it's like. Oh yeah, kill kill all of the Jawas! Like get them out of here. And then again, like I had that same kind of feeling where it's like, all right, yeah, these th- those Jawas they need to they need to go. Now, Dave, what about you? Did you take anything away from the Jawa interaction, or are me and Bell just looking a little too deep into that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know, I don't think you're looking too deep into it. I mean, I was looking at it going, okay. Basically the same reaction. They go, okay, got a guy here. You're about to die. I get your scavengers. You've been played that way for 40 years. Okay, cool. Take his stuff. Just don't leave him to die. I mean, okay, so now we got Jawas who are just as ruthless and and, and uh, whatnot. They just don't disintegrate people. But I'd put them on the same level of ruthlessness when they're going for their, for their scraps so they can make their money as Boba usually is with his uh, bounties pre this the series and maybe they recognized him because of course they saved the marshal you know whenever his village gets uh taken over in the mandalorian and they save him but they don't save boba fett so it's just really interesting that uh that they kind of had that reaction to him maybe he was too far gone for their interest but the people that do save him are the sand people and this is kind of you know in the fan base there's kind of a different um uh, you know, preconceived idea of what the Sand People are about. And they're the ones, they kind of save him, but they also imprison him for some, you know, reason. Maybe the reason was to search for water eggs in the sand. But for some reason, they're the same ones that save him. And of course, Boba Fett, he is able to um, escape just temporarily. 
And this was something that stood out to me when he escapes and he's about to, you know, get the final drop on this youngling and chooses not to because it's a youngling. So he <laughs> does what Anakin Skywalker could not do. Bell, what's your takeaway on that one? <laughs> it's so interesting, right? Like that one was uh, that one kind of threw me for a loop because you know, again, we as we uh, the first question that you asked about, like you know, first impressions of Boba Fett, he's this ruthless dude, right? And for him not to, you know, when, it, when given a chance to escape, all he's got to do is is kill this this kid of these of these people who I I mean, were they enslaving him? Were they? I mean, like I don't know what they were doing. It was kind of interesting, um, and he didn't, and like. You know, I mean, maybe maybe after, um, you know, Anakin uh, did what he did to the younglings, <laughs> maybe Boba Fett heard about it. And he was kind of like, oh, man, like, I mean, you know, yeah, sure. The Jedi's killed my dad, but like they also killed a bunch of kids and stuff. And I'm a kid and like I identify with like, you know, kids being killed. And <laughs> that's, that's probably it. That might be yeah, that might be the connection there. And maybe he's thinking like, oh, we don't need to repeat the Sand People Massacre of 1999. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were animals. And I killed them like animals. <laughs> but anyway, that was something else that stood out to me. Uh, Dave, did you pick up on that? Did this change your perspective of Boba Fett? Like, where was your thought process with this one? Yeah, I did pick up on it. Um as, as as far as it goes, it was it was one of the things that first started changing my mind a bit on how they're playing the Boba Fett character here, because up until this point he's still ruthless, but as you both have pointed out, he spared this kid. Whether he heard about Anakin's massacre as Darth Vader or whether he just decided, hey, I was spared as a kid by the Jedi, maybe I should let this guy go. Who knows? But yeah, it's the first time we see anything like a honorable act by the ruthless bounty hunter Boba Fett showing that he is maybe a clone but he is still human right and this is a character that we have kind of seen develop in the Clone Wars as well and in the Clone Wars you know he's still a kid and he is very much uh, against the Jedi maybe you know we see him transform because he sees what the Empire, you know, turns out to be. Who knows what it is? But we haven't quite seen that transition to this man of code, man of honor quite yet. We're kind of thrown in here. And maybe we see that or maybe we don't. Maybe this is just something that we accept that Boba Fett is a, you know, has as many layers as an onion. Like, who knows what's going on with this guy? He's just... <laughs> He's just different, and this is maybe they're they're playing into it because they're like maybe we can't have a ruthless main character on Disney Plus. I don't know what it is. Um, it doesn't necessarily take anything away from me, but it's something that I'm spending a lot of time, you know, thinking about. Which kind of leads into the other thing that I'm thinking about a lot is like the Sand People. We still don't know why they saved Boba Fett and what they were using him for, other than that same youngling kind of taking him out. And have him start digging around for water seeds that they're drinking. And it turns out that there's this this sandy desert monster thing that we haven't seen yet. And Boba Fett, you know, does a number on this thing and rips its head off. And we get kind of kind of that ruthless, like, this guy is not to be messed with. He doesn't even need his armor to kill this beast. He's very skilled. He knows what he's doing. 
and this youngling like obviously this monster has been a threat to them that's probably a monster of legend and this kid comes running in with the head and all of a sudden boba fett gets a little bit of water seed now bell what did you think about that whole sequence when he kind of becomes this friend and killing of this monster thing i i think if i were boba fett in that situation and like the kids running up there with the with the head going like hey look at me i killed this thing and i'd be like um excuse me uh, I I killed the thing. <laughs> so again, it, it's it's kind of like it's it's kind of like an honorable sort of shift for him, right? To give the kid credit because somehow Boba Fett knows that. Um, I, I I'm assuming that what we're going to see is that this kid being put in charge of the Rodian and Boba Fett is is some kind of like you know uh, a ritualistic kind of training or something like that for the Tuscan to prepare him for adult life as a as a Tuscan Raider and whatnot. And so uh, either Boba Fett divines that or he knows something about Tuscan culture from beforehand and, uh, you know, let the kid take the credit, I suppose. But, you know, the 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 leader um, seems to kind of get it and, and, and understand what's going on there by giving him the, the um, water seed and letting him drink from that. So I'm 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 guessing that that he's kind of like, yeah, OK, I, I know you killed him. Let the kid have his moment. Right. Let the kid have his fun. Um, it's important for him. Uh, and he did participate by being a great distraction. So <laughs> there's there's something there. But I, I have to think that um, at, at that point, maybe Boba Fett realizes that he can get further along in getting away from these people um, by sort of like cooperating and participating in these uh, in these events. And so by you know, not making a stink about it or like, you know, by sacrificing the kid to the thing and trying to get away by bringing him back, like he's earning some rep there. And if his goal is to, you know, uh, I, we're not sure at this point whether or not he's decided that his thing is going to be, I'm going to take over Tatooine and I'm going to rule Tatooine. But, you know, you got to think uh, uh, just like uh, House uh, Atreides and Dune, they needed desert power and the Tuscans have desert power. <laughs> and so maybe you know, like maybe he's forging some alliances here. And so maybe, you know, he, he's already thinking about that and, um, you know, uh, trying to sort of build some alliances that Jabba never did because um, he knows how hanging out with Jabba turned up. You know, he wound up in the in the pit of a Sarlacc, which was not good. And so <laughs> he's like, I'm not, not going to do that Jabba stuff. And so maybe maybe that was kind of like his shift was just seeing how Jabba ran things and how that wound up for Jabba um, and. Maybe he's like, okay, so so ruthlessness and fear and all these kinds of things didn't work well for Jabba, so maybe I'm going to go a different route. And so, I don't know, maybe that's the start uh, of his realization to sort of like take this more honorable route and to not be a cold-hearted, you know, merciless bounty hunter guy and to, and to you know, treat your even your enemies with honor so that you don't wind up in the pit of a Sarlacc. You know. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of adds to his his comment he has in the capital Mos Eisba, where he, uh, you know, where he's basically telling Finnick like, "I'm not going to rule the way the Jabba did. Like, I'm going to rule with with respect." And even though he's the crime lord and he's not like the elected governance of Mos Espa, but <laughs> he's still going to rule with honor because he's Boba Fett. So we know that's the path that he's going on, and there's obviously going to be some hurdles to go there. But Dave, what did you think about this kind of event and relationship with the Sand People? What did you take away? Well, I also see it as the first step to, to change for Boba Fett. Like, 
I don't think he's ever going to get to the point, you know, where he's, you know, um, some sort of marshal for the new New Republic or whatever comes down the line in in the in the franchise. But I do think that this whole thing with the Tuscans that happened in the past after uh, after he uh, was out of the Sarlacc pit is is the change is where his honorable streak is going to come from, where he's gotten the idea. I don't know. Maybe we'll see during this time that he's with uh, the Tuscans, because I'm pretty sure we're going to see some more of that at the, at the very least in the next episode. Um, maybe we'll see that he's watching them and sees how they govern things and decides that, hey, if sometime down the line I get uh, into power somewhere, maybe I should start running things the way these guys do, because it makes sense. Don't know. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's what's coming up. But either way, whether it's um, anything that you guys would come up or this or something totally different, it's going to be an interesting ride to see how this this plays out. Yeah, and we can assume that there's some sort of like honor code there as well because when we see him in the Mandalorian, he's of course wearing very similar robes, and he has of course some of their weapons that he is using. Um, so maybe it's something like that, and maybe they help him heal a little bit, which is why he felt led to do that for Finnick. Maybe they're the reason that he became this man of honor, because he was tempted. You could see the pain behind his eyes when he wanted to kill that little Tusken Raider. So maybe that's the transition we get in this series, where they st- are the ones that tar- start teaching him of honor, even though they haven't had the best record for honor you know, let's call back to Luke, uh, ask him how honorable they are. Um, but maybe maybe that was just one, you know, one bad batch of them. Who knows? But we've kind of reached the modern day of Boba Fett where he is now on the throne at Jabba's palace and kind of these surrounding leaders or influential people start coming to pay him uh, tribute And he's getting kind of these elaborate, you know, uh, whether it's money, whether it's, uh, was it Wookiee pelt that we saw? I'm guessing that was a Wookiee pelt. Yeah, that was my guess. (laughs) So just bringing in some Wookiee pelts for him. Um, And then we have, he's supposed to be the mayor of Mos Eisba, but the mayor sends a representative um, who doesn't have a tribute but expects some sort of tribute from Boba Fett. Now, Bell, how do you think this is going to play out for this mayor of Mos Eisba? Not very, not very good. <laughs> Agreed. It, yeah, it, it, it seems like everybody else kind of uh, got got the picture right, and or, or or either they didn't feel like they were powerful enough to ruffle any feathers. And, and, and that could be what it is, is it's, you know, this particular mayor thinks, okay, sure, Boba Fett, whatever, but, like, I'm in a situation now after Jabba's died where I am more powerful and I can challenge him. And, um, you know, it's not called the book of the mayor of <laughs> Mos Eisley or Espa. Uh, it's called the book of Boba Fett. And so it's probably not going to uh, end too well for that mayor. <laughs> We can also assume that the, that he's the one that sent the assassins to, you know, to take him out, even though not really, I guess, hasn't been paying attention to the Star Wars TV shows where we find out that Finnick is not one that will be uh, going down too easily. But anyway, we kind of have this, 
this very cocky representative. Like, I don't know if he just thinks that there's a shield around him because he's a representative and, you know, don't kill the messenger. But I was kind of waiting for a uh, this is Sparta moment for Boba Fett there. We didn't get that in this episode, but we might later on. And I'm sure hoping that we do because that guy, he's just a little too smug. Like, he needs to have his attitude, you know, smacked off of him a little bit. Maybe maybe we can get uh, him in a Sarlacc pit. I don't know. Maybe there's something fun to do with him. But Dave, what did you think of these, you know, kind of tributes going on here? And then, of course, this mayor that refuses to pay tribute. Yeah, the tributes, I kind of expected something like that. This is a, this is a standard, standard transfer of power. It's just like the kings of old. New king comes in. You send your tribute on, or otherwise, you're going to ruffle feathers, which is exactly what's happened with the with this guy. Who we don't really get a name of the representative, but uh, yeah, I was honestly waiting for him for Boba Fett to just stand up, do this, like he did at the end there with the assassins, and blow him up. That's really what I thought was going to happen. I was very surprised when he turned to Finnick and said, "No, no, we'll deal with this later." Basically, I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And she's just itching to kill him. Like, she just is like, do you want me to? Like, I will. Like, she wants to so bad, and she's getting so frustrated with this kind of Boba Fett of honor system going on. Maybe she is representing my feelings with Boba Fett in this whole thing, where it's like, is he really, like, that that strict man of honor? Um, so maybe we get this kind of transition from her point of view, or at least we get to see you know, the heartburns with that. I don't know. But we <clears throat> obviously have him being honorable again with the Gamorrean bodyguards and uh, Boba refuses to torture them because apparently this droid also is itching for some <laughs> torturing going on from uh, of these Gamorrean bodyguards. But he doesn't. He just kind of reinstates him, which pays off later during this assassination attempt. Now, with all of that kind of being said... It all goes back to this relation of this honor system that Boba Fett is this man of honor. So we're getting that. Now, Bell, how do you feel about getting this version of Boba Fett? Honestly, it's weird. It's not something I was expecting. Like I, I figured his experience with um with the Mandalorian, with Jin Darian, I'm saying that right. Yeah, uh, I, I figured that would be some that would have some kind of uh, impact on him. Right. Like, you know, he's not a true Mandalorian, um, but like, you know, he wears the armor and all that kind of stuff. And so um, maybe interacting with the true Mandalorian, even, even like, you know, different kind of Mandalorian. Right. Because there's different there's different tribes and groups of Mandalorians. But like, you know, in, in all of his interactions um, there with with Jen, it's like maybe he kind of sees a, a, a better way to go about things. Um, and, and granted, like, you know, we're seeing the start of that with his interactions with the Tuscans. Um, but I, I, I really, uh, I felt like there might be some kind of change just because, you know, of his interactions with the Mandalorian. But um, I, I wasn't expecting to see a full kind of anti-hero sort of turn. I was expecting more of a, a Finnick kind of where like, you know, like Finnick is, uh, she she's definitely not uh, evil per se, but she's not somebody uh, that you know you'd want to like watch your kids while you go out or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I I was kind of expecting more of a 
um, like an older, wiser Boba Fett who's maybe not as uh, quick to disintegrate somebody. But it was kind of interesting to see that the, the direction that they're taking him with with this more like sort of honor code kind of route. So that was that was pretty unexpected for me. I, I wasn't I wasn't quite uh, expecting them to go that route with him. And Dave, what is your answer to that question? How do you feel about this version of Boba Fett? It is definitely a different version of Boba Fett. Like I never would have thought that this was going to go this way. Honestly, I was expecting. Okay, the the book of Boba Fett I was expecting was roll in, get get the stuff that we got from the flashbacks, you know, out of the Sarlacc pick, whatnot. But after that, I was expecting, you know, this what what I think everybody might have been expecting. You know, we're going to go in, we're going to blow things up, we're going to get get a Star Wars action series. Where it's all Boba Fett all the time, blowing things up, you know, taking names, you know, doing all the things that gangsters do. But that's not what we're getting, and it's it's just it's just totally different and unexpected. And, and honestly, I think it's what might make this series work. Right, and it's it, it it is very interesting that we get that. And I mean, the best characters in you know in everything in writing and in cinema are kind of these very round characters that have these. Um, these very different phases of growth where we see them evolve really. And obviously we have that version of Boba Fett already. Maybe it's not quite his final phase, but we have something where at some point he transitions from this guy who was ready to, um, you know, turn in Han Solo for a bounty and was very angry that he might not, uh, survive, you know, the, the freezing. Um, but we get now this kind of different, let's maybe not shoot first. Let's see what happens. Let's try to negotiate. Um, and so maybe, uh, my prediction is that we will see that like, this is something that Favreau wanted when he, um, you know, went to Disney about creating a, a show. He wanted Boba Fett first and they were kind of, they basically Peter Jackson to him and said, Hey, maybe let's try, you know, this different story first, but his whole time he wanted um, a Boba Fett series. And so now he gets it. So I would assume he's probably thought all this stuff out. Um, we of course know that Filoni is a deep thinker. And so I would assume that we're going to get a lot of these questions answered. Um, now, Bell, give us your, biggest takeaway and your final thoughts and then wrap it up with where people can find you. Yeah. So, uh, biggest takeaway probably is, is, is just the character himself. Not expecting that at all. Um, really interesting twist, I think about that. And it, and it's good to know that, uh, um, that John Favreau, like, you know, originally wanted Boba Fett and that, you know, this was his initial kind of plan. And so I, I feel like the character's in good hands. And I feel like just like the Mandalorian, we're going to get a lot of really interesting and good character growth. Um, so that was that was probably the, the, the biggest thing. It was was that we didn't get this ruthless guy. We get this dude who's going to try a different way to be a different um, gangster leader, <laughs> mob like mafia guy, uh, uh, you unelected know. man of honor, <laughs> crime boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because you know, usually you don't think of like I mean, I don't know. I guess you do. I, mean, I guess I guess it would depend on the uh, 
you know, because the the Italian mafia, you know, it's it's about honor and it's a different kind of honor, right? And so maybe we'll get into more of that. But I think it's really it's going to be really neat to see where they go with it. And so I'm super excited about that. So um, I I'm not sure how many episodes we're going to get in total. Um, I know the first one was about what 38 minutes or something like that. And so I'm I'm hoping that um, we get some uh, a good amount of time with this character. And we really get to see uh, exactly, you know, the the vision that Favreau was 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 going for. And so, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And um, you can catch me at uh, TV Talk. Uh, it's TV Talk FM. Uh, we're also on Facebook and uh, Twitter at uh, TV Talk. So, uh, yeah, I, I do uh, a podcast there for the Flash TV show. And um, uh, during the hiatuses, we do other uh, TV shows and movies and things as well. So you can catch me there. Awesome. And Dave, what was your biggest takeaway? Hmm. There were a lot. There really were a lot. I don't know if, if I can actually bring it down to one specifically, but I'll say this. Um, about nothing nothing specific to the storyline or anything like that, because there's just too much for me to say there. Except I did kind of enjoy seeing, again, the flashback type um storytelling bell you'll understand where i'm coming from from arrow and whatnot yeah where, where that's where that was a big staple of the of how that show was run and it was it was fun to see it again in a different context so um my takeaway was it, it was for this for episode was like it was good to see them go wing with something that you've seen somewhere else non-star warsy so they're trying something new and i think it's going to work and our listeners can keep up with this show on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and by emailing us at hello at Star Wars TV Talk.com. You can find the rest of our shows online at Star Wars TV Talk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a five star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TV Talk.fm. Thanks so much for listening. May the force be with you always. <laughs>